0: Oh, baby.
1: All right. Here we go. We're rolling. We're rolling. We're rolling.
0: We're live. We'll do it live. What is up, everybody? And welcome into a Tuesday edition of the DMVR Nuggets podcast. Let's go. Let's go. Let's That's go. the appropriate amount of energy for this off day, a Tuesday uh, edition of the show. The nuggets get three days off before they return to the court on Thursday. Not in the primetime slot win on NBA TV. They're the NBA TV that uh, game that day, but whatever. Um, should work out as the Nuggets will go to Oklahoma City and play. Today, Wind and I were at practice. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to bounce a little bit around the association uh, and just talk some general Nuggets. But first, we're presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DMVR whenever you sign up. Um, We are doing a live show marathon. We're live all day, every day. Broncos just wrapping up. We had Rockies earlier, Avs earlier. This is how we roll, man. We got nonstop stuff going on. Uh, I'm joined by Harrison
1: Wynn, though. Harrison, did
0: you enjoy your day off?
1: I did. I did. I'm figuring out a way to potentially get Steve Nash as the newest member of the DNBA show for the remainder of the season. Should we, should we make a play for that? Adam, do you think Would he?
0: that guy needs like a year off, man? He might just sit but on the I feel like
1: it, having that year off with us would be a nice change of pace <laughs> from coaching the Brooklyn Nets.
0: You think, uh, <laughs> I wonder how changed he is. He made an enormous amount of money, Steve Nash did. And that was, I was told, so this is some insight. Again, this is hearsay. I'm not reporting this. I'm not a Brooklyn Nets reporter, but I talk to people. (laughs) My understanding is he did not want to coach. This was not like a guy that was clamoring to be a coach. They offered him a lot of money to come coach this team, and he was like, damn it. That's too much money to say no to. (laughs) That it was like one of those situations. Um, So I think that he probably is feeling an extreme sense of exhaustion, not just because he didn't want to be in coaching to begin with, but because that specific job, I have to imagine this is like the best day of the last two years for him.
1: Right. Yeah. I also heard he never wanted to coach. Do you think when he got wind that he might be fired or that he was on thin ice, he just went like full George Costanza gets kicked (laughs) out of the game, gets ejected, you know, in that game a couple nights ago, just starts like trashing the facility, just I mean, he's not going to throw Kyrie Irving under the bus, but he does everything Uh, other than that to potentially get fired.
0: I think he should have done it like the Italian coach at Eurobasket and just like made made that (laughs) big of a deal, gone into the stands and, you know, hugged the, kissed the baby and, you know, all six, six mans. Um, No, but he's out. We'll actually talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Maybe we won't now that we've mentioned all I really have to say about it. Um, But somebody asked here, Steve Wynn says, why would you hire someone who didn't want the job? I mean, Oftentimes the greatest leaders are the reluctant leaders. Sure. You know, the ones the ones that have the talent and ability but don't necessarily want it. I mean, there's something Jokic, for example, is one of these guys, the reluctant leader. And I think yeah. Steve Nash has enough knowledge and respect around the league that people kind of just assumed he would be a great coach. I don't think he was, but at the same time, come on, man, that job was an impossible one. Oh, like for sure, for how sure. How do you do a good job there? So. Yeah.
1: And on on behalf of the Nuggets, this is not really on behalf of the Nuggets, but this is me speaking on behalf of the Nuggets. Steve, come come hang out in Denver. Come hang out around Nicole Jokic. Just just chill. Chill around Ball Arena for the rest of the season. We'd love to have you. Do you think Steve Nash is a good hang? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Great hang. I,
0: I... I'll bet he's watch, a little bit yeah. less of a great hang than you think. I think he's watch, a very watch some person.
1: soccer in the morning, go yeah. to practice. I'm yeah. sure he's a. I'm sure he's a, a a beer guy. You know, have an IPA in the afternoon. I think maybe he's a strict diet night. guy,
0: man. I think he's like knows the exact number of calories he consumes every day. I don't know if he's like a casual yeah. beer drinker, but you never know. Um, the Nuggets had practice today. I want to start with Nuggets news. Of course, we are going to bounce around the league and there is even some things with the Brooklyn situation that I think pertain to Denver and at least just kind of will, will be a conversation all year. But we'll start with the Denver Nuggets who got a day off yesterday. They get two practices today and then one tomorrow before they set out on this 30 days of travel basically. <laughs> Which, by the way, was a topic of conversation amongst the people there today, not just the media people, but Michael Malone talking about it. The Nuggets, you know, coaching staff and in and, and PR and people around the team just kind of like, oh man, here it comes. So, you know, like yeah. here comes this big, we're going to be on the road for 30 days straight, basically. So it's not like a media contrived thing. This is like a real, a real talking point. Wind, why don't you walk us through, though, your notes from practice, starting with Michael Malone?
1: So the theme. That Michael Malone harped on today was, of course, defense. And, you know, no surprise, considering Denver gave up 121 points to the worst offense in the NBA a couple of days ago in Los Angeles. But I thought Malone had a couple interesting points about just where Denver's struggling de- defensively. First of all, they're struggling defensively on the road. Their home defense has been OK. Their road defense has been awful. They're giving up just way more points per game, way more transition points, way more points from the three point line, way more points on the offensive glass away from home. And it kind of a lot of it, according to Malone, he thinks is boiling down to just like defensive basics, just sitting down, guarding your man. Defending one on one and rebounding and, and finishing the possession and getting back in transition. Yeah. He said the Nuggets are the number four ranked pick and roll defense on the season. And where Denver's struggling is just like basic defensive stuff one on one defense, getting back in transition, rebounding. So you could kind of look at that, at least I do, and say, I think that's a better. Thing to need to clean up than like your pick and roll defense being a disaster at at this point in the season because a lot of that stuff is just like effort based at least at least in my opinion
0: here's i think he's right and by the way i did the list yesterday you can watch that episode or you can go on our youtube channel and see some of the clips some of the stuff i highlight is not It it is just effort stuff. A lot of this is transition, and Michael Malone cited transition specifically. Like you sit and watch some of the half court. That's why he was mentioning the pick and roll. I think everybody thinks, oh, Denver's bad defensively. It's because they can't guard the pick and roll. If you had to distill it down right now, it would be two things, in my opinion. The number one with a bullet is transition defense, which is like, I don't. I don't think they have a personnel issue with transition defense. That's a are you executing? Are you locked in? Are you, are you doing the things you need to do? And do also want,
1: you, do you want to get back or do you not really care? And also what kind of
0: turnovers are you having? Are you generating live sure. ball turnovers at a higher rate or what have you? Um, but the other thing is, and, and Malone mentioned this, it's one-on-one defense. It's, it's point of attack. Are you just, Hey, mano, mano, is this guy getting around you with ease? And that was the other part of it. The pick and roll thing is interesting. The one thing I will say, cause I agree with Michael Malone's assessment here and, the home away stuff, it's jarring. There's been three home games, four away. It's hard to draw too many conclusions when you have such a small sample size. The Utah Jazz light you up. You're All of a sudden, that one game is going to weigh the numbers so much. Denver's actually been lit up a couple times. Their losses, they kind of lose by a lot. So um, as much as I agree with him, I don't know that there's a direct correlation just yet. That's a number to me where I would be like, let's keep an eye on it. Not necessarily. I declare that our road defense sure. is bad.
1: Sure. It, it is the thing though, when you look at it and you're like, well, we've been really bad on the road this season. And then you look at the schedule and it says seven of our next nine games are on the road. Right. Like that, that doesn't make you feel great. But, but maybe, um, it, maybe, and maybe honestly, Michael Malone, there's always a method to his madness. Cause Malone, I think
0: understands analytics and stats pretty well better than most coaches you know he understands the concept i think he understands the concept of small sample size i wouldn't be surprised if he's making this a talking point because he knows it's a rallying cry like hey we're about to go on the road road defense has been bad guys it has been bad proved to me that we're not actually bad so there's probably a little bit of truth in it there's no doubt there's truth in it but there's probably also a little bit of a hey i'm just trying to set the tone for what's
1: ahead oh i think that's exactly what he's doing exactly Um, um the Nuggets like practice today talking about the schedule here, the Nuggets are going to have two practices before their next game against the thunder. There's been a lot of practice time. I feel like early in this season compared to a lot of years. So, I mean, I I think that's probably a good thing for this team at this point in the year that there's just been a lot of time spent on the practice court, at least from just my feeling compared to in years past. Um, And then kind of more to that point about the one-on-one defense. He was talking about Nikola Jokic's defensive performance this season. And he pretty much just said, look, like all of us, Nikola included, we've all been up and down. But then he went on to say he has to be the anchor of our defense. We all know he's not a shot blocker. He has to do a better job of using verticality. The flip side of it, and he circled back to this, is it starts on the ball. Our first line of defense isn't doing their job. Right.
0: Yeah. I think he's right about this. It's funny because I asked him specifically about Nikola Jokic's I mean defense, like to me which has been a problem. And Malone rarely when you ask about one player, he'll always deflect a little bit. And he kind of went right back to the team, but he did circle back and say, "But with regards to Nikola, I think we need to help him out by having better point of attack defense." So to me it was deliberate in the way he answered,
1: he responded to that. Yeah. The the thing that gets you a little discouraged when you hear that is The Nuggets should be way better this season defending the ball than they were last year and that they've been in years past. I mean, isn't this a reason why Bruce Brown, why Contavious Caldwell-Pope are here? Christian Brown, it's to defend on the ball.
0: This is why me and my colleague over at Locked On, Matt Moore, we always butt heads about this because Matt is always about the scheme. You know, is Denver playing drop or are they playing up? And I always... Push back. I don't push back on it, but I always just think like that doesn't. To me, that's not telling the full story. And there, and this is the exact reason: the players you have, the scheme you have, those things matter a lot. I'm not trying to downplay them, especially at the top, they ma- they matter. But yeah. to me, so much of it is there. Just appear to be coaches that do a very good job of coaching the details that just get their players to do the exact thing that you're trying to do. You have a good game plan, but it's poorly executed. That's part of coaching as well. And so I look at this one from Malone in years past. You know, you got guys that you just don't buy can defend at a high level. You got Will Barton, you got Monte Morris, whatever. Hey, what can you do? But when you start to bring in these good players and you're still having that, even though you have a good scheme, you have good defensive personnel, and you're still giving it up, you just start to wonder is it the details? If, and, and Malone's telling us it's the details. They're not focused. How do you, that's part of a coach's job. Are you effective in getting them to? So for me, I think Michael Malone is right, but I think in, in a certain way, that is a confession towards something that is like not
1: clicking right now with the nuggets. Right. They should be defending the ball way better than they are. And then the last note I've got here, um, Bones Highland should be good to go for Thursday at the Thunder. Michael Malone said he was quote, the best player in practice today. He's feeling good. Ishmith on the other hand, seems like his status is in doubt. He did not go through any of the, live parts of practice today
0: if bones is ready to go that's kind of a moot point i don't think ish was going to play anyway um but but it was good to hear that not only did bones participate today but was a very good player weird thing him missing this last game very weird yeah i'm not saying there's something like hidden to it i'm just saying it's weird to be ready to go late scratch and then all the way back to fully healthy two days later
1: that's that's very strange you don't see that that often yeah, that's what I got from Malone, and and we can move on to Porter if you want. I, I The only note I would
0: say, and not that these things matter, you can go and watch the interview. I thought Malone was short today. Like, he's been very positive all season, for most of the season, more so than any time before. Mm-hmm. Malone seemed a little, um, just short, just a little short today. Yeah. More
1: intense than than he had been. Yeah, and, and I wonder if, obvi- obviously it has a lot to do with the defense tailing <laughs> yeah. off here. Um, but I, I really think that this schedule kind of has the Nuggets nervous. And yeah. you, you look at the quality of opponent. I mean, San Antonio has actually been pretty good. But you look at this stretch before the season started and you were like, OK, the Thunder, the Spurs twice, the Pacers, they play, you know, the Pistons, the Thunder again, you know, in a couple of weeks. The quality of opponent isn't that tough. But a lot of these games are on the road it's scary for any team, and I feel like the Nuggets are just a little bit worried about this next stretch. Of course, they're like they're, they're acting like they're pissed at the league about the the early schedule. Like the league does, isn't doing us any favors. Everybody hates their schedule in the NBA. Like if you ask any yeah. team, everybody hates their schedule. So it just except if the Lakers is. play
0: like sixteen of twenty in LA or something to start the season, somehow they don't leave don't Los don't Angeles.
1: I don't know. Everybody hates their schedule though, but this is a very tough part of, of Denver's schedule that it's entering.
0: Yep. Yep. No, we'll go through that here
1: later on in the show. Let's get to Porter. So Porter, I mean, this is probably the top headline from today, our top story. It was you who asked him about just shooting 50% from three or near 50% three, you know, from three to start the season. And he hold pretty on. much just said, hold
0: on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to, because I want to be clear of the question. I asked him if you're shooting nine threes per 36, I think I said nine per game, but it's actually like eight per game. All right, eight per game and you're making 50%. Is there like, do you want to explore? Like, how many do you have to shoot before you dip below 50%? Like, if you yeah. make 50% of your threes, you should shoot the ball every single time until you know that's no longer true. So that's, that's where the question came from was like, do you feel like there's a limit to where you no longer will be shooting that? And can you get more shots up?
1: Right. That's a good note. It's a good note. And he said 50% from three to me is not an unrealistic number. And then he went on to say, I'm not saying that it's easy to do, but right now I miss a lot of shots that I feel like I should make. And I'm at 50% going forward. That's not unrealistic. He said he thinks in high school, he shot like 75 <laughs> percent from three i think i'm gonna to have to fact check him on that um how where are you gonna find these stats you can find high school stats well, you can find them find out 75%. actually i'm curious 75 percent from three come on that would be pretty weird i know michael porter's a great shooter but i mean come on um and then he was like look in the nba if you're a 40 percent shooter you're a good shooter but making one out of every two threes doesn't seem crazy to me Okay. Okay.
0: Um, I'm I'm with him. <laughs> I, I especially loved his note about I feel like the ones I've missed this year I should have made because that's how I feel too. <laughs> like I watch him and I'm just kind of like, dude, you need to hit that, even though he's making 50%. I'm kind of like, hey man, you he could be at 60 easily. I love this. Yeah. I loved Michael Porter's media availability today, Harrison. Because not only did he say some things that I think were very insightful, but even this is insightful to me because it's important. We talk how important confidence is for players. Like you make it or break it in this league. I think Michael Porter is both absurd and correct. And also, and it gives you an insight into how he views it, that, hey, this is what he thinks. Like the shots he's taking are not special. Those are shots he knows he can make. And 50% seems like a realistic goal for him. So yeah. am I taking him to do it? He's only at 49%. Like one bad game ruins your percentage so much in the NBA. Right. So I'm not necessarily counting on it. But I do think that there is something, too. This guy, I don't mind him getting shots up. By the way, that was also another another point he made was that Michael Malone has been telling the whole team one of our goals is to get more threes up. So right now, he doesn't feel in any way restricted about getting his three-point shots up.
1: Yeah. He said, I don't think I should be taking nine or ten per game, but something close to that. And right now, he's taking, what, like seven and a half, eight a game? almost eight a game 7.8 per game right now through six games that he's played in um I actually I'm kind of buying it you know I was looking at this from last year Joe Harris in 2020 2021 shot 47 and a half percent from three on 6.4 attempts per game Michael Porter Jr. is better shooter than Joe Harris I'm I'm kind of buying it I, I I don't know if he'll be above 50 ever but I think he could be like 48, 49. I do.
0: I don't think his footwork is better than Joe Harris's. And that's part of how you get shots up at the high level. And that's the one thing I'm looking at. I just want to see. And part of like, when you ask a question, sometimes you are hoping they'll go to certain areas. Like you probably, you just want the answer. I'm like, Hey, I'm curious your perspective on this. The one area he didn't touch on this was, and I put this on the list. I think Porter can get more threes up off of handoffs from Jokic. To me, And not only do I think he can, I think him being able, willing, and the team buying into him taking a little bit more difficult shots off of the handoff is going to open up. I mean, he just needs to shoot 40% on those, and it's going to open up the rest of the things for Denver. It's going to stretch the court vertically. And right now, a lot of his come off of kickouts. Some of them come in transition. Some of them come off of dribble sidestep or whatever. I think he can get, if we talk about eight threes per game right now, I think he can get to 10 or 11 per game just by adding two or three off of Jokic dribble handoffs, just go into your shooting motion the moment you step off of it. Like, no hesitation. Doesn't matter if the defender's there. They're not blocking you. You're too tall. Make yeah. them over jump and over, overplay that. And, and that's how you get there. So to me, I, I honestly, I think we'll get there. And today's comments from him only made me think that even more.
1: Yeah, I agree. He also talked about how, um, when he's watching film with coaches, they're showing him how his gravity off the ball, because Porter even said this today. He's like, when like the ball's on the weak side and I'm on the other side of the court, guys aren't helping off me that much. Like I'm not right. getting threes, just how normal shooters get threes, you know, just from like swinging the ball and being open. Cause the defense is sagging off, but coaches are showing him a film of just how his shooting gravity can open up stuff for others as well, uh, which I thought was interesting. And then he talked about his explosiveness and just where he's at with that. He compared it to where he was a couple years ago, entering the season. Um, not before last year when he got hurt, but two years ago, he thinks he's about as as explosive as he was then, but he said, he's not really where he was in high school or, or where, where he wants to be, um, explosiveness wise
0: noteworthy and it is also noteworthy that he compared himself to a few years ago where i felt like he was pretty athletic i will disagree with him though i do think we've seen a more athletic michael porter in the nba than what we've seen so far Yeah.
1: yeah i think so too um i think that gives you a little bit of confidence with just how much he can improve as the season goes along though
0: I agree. I'm just so – Michael Porter's been one of the best parts of this season to, for me. and He's got a ways to Absolutely. go, but that's what's so exciting. He just, I'm just so impressed with him um, and, and really excited for him.
1: Yeah. And then the final note I've got on playing with the bench, he said he really enjoys it. Yeah. He said, I enjoy playing with the bench. It's a little different style compared to when I'm playing with Joker and Jamal Murray. Um, I think I know what he's getting at there, and I'm not surprised that he enjoys it.
0: Me neither, but I'm telling you, he will enjoy it more playing with Jokic. Not, I, again, people can overread this. I don't want us to be the one that make people think he's saying he doesn't like playing with the starters or this or that. No. I yes. do think that he gets to be a little bit less – his shot selection gets to expand a little bit with that second unit by necessity. Yeah. I'm just telling you, I think there's a real opportunity for him to expand it with the starters too in a way that – like. But there's a a wrong way to expand it and a right way to expand it. And I don't know how well that's being communicated. I don't know if the team agrees with it. But to me, those dribble handoffs where you just go into your shooting motion, to me, are you could just get a couple more shots per game off of that exact thing. And I think he's going to hit enough of them that everyone will be like, all right, cool, that's what we do now.
1: Right. I agree 100%. I just think with the bench, he gets to play like – the Michael Porter, who shot 75% from three in high school, played. Of course. <laughs> you, know, well, you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: if you if you take a bad shot with the starters, that play might have resulted in a Jokic floater or a Jokic post-touch sure. or a Murray open shot. If you take a shot with the bench, that play might have ended with a Jeff Green iso or – you know, like a Dave on mid range, like you're, you're, the alternatives are not that great. So you might as well get it up. Whereas with the starters, the alternatives right. are really, really effective. So you got to be a little careful. Um, right. All right. So good stuff out of practice today. Uh, glad to hear bones is likely back for Thursday's game. That wasn't a major, it doesn't appear to be a major injury. Um, and, and I think uh, one more day of practice, I think will serve this team. Well, one more day of rest and, and practice. will serve this team. Well, and then they'll be back on the road. Let's take a break on the other side. Let's go around the league and talk about some of the trends league-wide.
1: Hassle Cattle Company, their beef is raised in Texas on a family farm. It's the best damn Wagyu beef you'll ever eat. You can get it shipped right to your door as well. What you gotta do is go to hasslecattlecompany.com, choose what you want. They've got a whole menu of all the different types of beef, all the different types of Wagyu that they have. You check out put it on your cart check out, use the code dnvr20 to get 20 off your purchase you'll get it shipped right to your door they call it the blue collar american wagyu beef it's top shelf but it's affordable if you order beef if you even just eat a lot of beef and you order it consistently on hassle cattle company you're going to end up saving money in the long run and you're going to be eating top shelf wagyu beef as well so Go to hasslecattlecompany.com, secure your bag of beef, and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. That's DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Um, also, make sure to download the Game Time app. Use the link, our specific link, in the YouTube description, or if you're listening to this as a podcast, in the podcast description. On the Game Time app, you'll have. Great last minute price drops on tickets for sporting events, concert shows. Don't mess around with all those third party sites trying to compare and contrast which one has the lowest prices, which one has the lowest service fees. Don't, don't get caught up in all that anymore. Just go to Game Time, use our link, download the app. That's where you're gonna get these last minute price drops. If you need tickets for concerts, shows, sporting events, whatever you need, use the game time app and use our link in the description. All righty, back
0: here, DNVR Nuggets podcast. Let's, let's go around the league now, Harrison. We're only a couple weeks into it, but I do feel like some trends are starting to emerge. And let's just start with which teams are impressing you so far. Mm-hmm. Who's the best team in the NBA right now?
1: Well, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. It's The, undefe- the, the only undefeated Bucks. team. Yeah, and our friend Giannis. I mean, they've got the best defense in the NBA. They're 6-0. They haven't even had Chris Middleton. I mean, this team is vibing right now. They've got to be number one atop the power rankings, right?
0: I think so. And the fact that they're missing so many pieces and yet still getting getting these wins, and then you look at their differentials, like also that they're winning pretty comfortably. Um, I'm trying to find their win profile. Do they have what's their best win on their docket? I think they have. A couple um, that's of ones.
1: that's actually the thing. Their schedule has been ridiculously easy. They've been um, home
0: all but once. <laughs> Holy crap!
1: Yeah, so they're probably not upset about their schedule. They're them and the Lakers are only two teams not upset about it. Um, let Let me just read you off the teams that the Bucks have beaten, though. They've beaten the Pistons, okay, uh, the Hawks.
0: It. By the way, barely beat the Pistons, and they yeah, play that them was, again.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was the game they just won. They beat the Hawks. They beat the Knicks they beat the Brooklyn Nets, they beat the Rockets, and they beat the 76ers on opening night by two right. points.
0: By two points. And by the way, the 76ers on opening night, not exactly great. That was a very slow out the gate. Remember game two, yeah. Philadelphia had a Embiid duck out without talking to media. So you're right that the best win out of all of those is probably the home game against the Hawks on the second night of a back-to-back. But the fact that they've only once, and it was opening night, only once had to leave their state um, – that's that's pretty wild, and the, and by the way, next game also at home, also against the Pistons. <laughs>
1: then they get the Thunder, and then they get the Thunder again, and then the Spurs. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Why did Milwaukee have such an easy schedule? <laughs> that you might be wondering.
0: Uh, it's probably nothing nefarious. Come on, but it was definitely
1: nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but nonetheless, you know you are playing without one of your key pieces in Middleton, and to be able to pull that off is is pretty impressive so I'm okay with it yeah oh by the way this is going to be like when we talk about you know Jokic has given us everything he's two-time MVPs whatever so like I get mad when people are like you guys are being overly critical of Jokic or this or that guys we we get it man we get what Jokic is to this team we went to Serbia we was spent. we went to freaking Serbia this is how much we understand what this guy is and means to Denver comparing him though to Giannis who I think is the other best player in the world to me, like, Giannis, that is one of the differences. Is it an important distinction or not? I don't know. The regular season, it's hard to contextualize what it means in the NBA. But Giannis does just bring it every single night. That guy, like, that guy never takes a single possession off. He never, like, does any of that kind of stuff. And I think when you look at it right now, somebody put this out, I think, on Reddit or something the other day, that Giannis is averaging more points in the second half than Jokic's in both halves, like, over- <laughs> And it's like, yeah, Giannis came every year, every game. He just goes like it's the game seven of the finals for whatever. He has that stamina in him mentally and physically. Yeah. And you have to – I personally respect it even if I don't want to like disrespect it if you're not that guy. I just – I respect right. it when a guy
1: brings it like that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep. All right, who's, who else is the other good team? I hate – <sighs> I feel <laughs> ugly here. After yeah. this,
1: I feel like number two in the power rankings, you got to put the Phoenix Suns. You kind of have five and one. They have a 12.4 point differential 12.4. They beat the Mavs. They have beat the Clippers and Warriors who haven't been anything to write home about so far. They beat the Pelicans who have looked pretty good at times on the season. They've got the fourth best defense, the second best offense. The Suns are good, which sucks, but you just got to say it. They're good. They've been good, they're
0: almost undefeated. They lost in Portland um in overtime at Portland. Yeah, lost so, by two points. A couple things that stand out here. One, they could very easily be undefeated. Two, four of their six games have been at home. So, like Milwaukee, we're starting to see a theme. Like, this is why it's so hard to contextualize early season. Even mid season time, there's times where it's like a team has played five or six more road games than home. And they might be two games back in the standing. But you go, actually, that's probably more or less tied because they have so many road-heavy or home-heavy games in the second half. This is where it's hard, is they do have a lot of good wins. They have had a favorable schedule. And the teams, the good teams that they have beat, Golden State and the Clippers, and everybody's beating. So I don't know. Um, But I'm with you. The big story here is that I thought there was a very good chance that the Suns get off to a slow start and there are fractures. Mm -hmm. That does not appear to be the case. The Suns team looks like they are going to have a season very similar to last year's in that they just look like they'll be a tough out in the regular season and obviously in the postseason as well.
1: Yeah, Devin Booker's averaging 29 points per game, shooting 53% from the field to start the season. They've got this guy, Jock Landau, who if Jock Landau was on the Nuggets, we'd be so high on him. Because he's on the Suns, I don't know if he's good or not but he's given them good minutes Fair. off their bench. Um yeah, they're deep and they don't even have Jay Crowder right now still. So they're they're in a great spot. You're brought something
0: up that's interesting to me about um uh, about Booker. He's probably in the MVP conversation. I know we're doing this really. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're 2 weeks in and Jokic has his numbers aren't that great and you know the team hasn't been that great. He's he's like not in the conversation. Like if he has a great rest of the year Are we at the point where he can just be eliminated from the conversation because of two weeks of, like, underwhelming play? Are we already there? Because part of me wonders if that's what he's doing. Um, (laughs) he's like, I don't want to be in that conversation (laughs) all year. I don't ever want to be asked about it. Let me just set the bar too low.
1: Look, I always thought that the Nuggets would have to be, you know, that top seed in the West for Jokic to legitimately be, like, A threat to win an MVP, Um, Um, so I I think if if the Nuggets if if the Nuggets you know rattle off like a ten game winning streak if they are flirting with that one seed in the West I think he can get back into the conversation for sure. Have you checked out um, the updated five thirty eight Raptor rankings, Adam? No, I have not. What are they telling? Have you checked these out? Uh, they're telling me that Nicole Jokic is, again, the best player in the NBA.
0: <laughs> there's, cert- there's certain metrics that, like, really love Yoke, And TPA is the ultimate one. That one is, like, designed to appreciate Jokic's stats. Yeah. Uh, Raptor, right up there. It's always right up there as well. There's no way. Yeah. Here's what I'll say.
1: I love Yoke. <laughs> he has not been the best player in the NBA to this point. I, I don't think he has either. Yeah. No. Um, he is, according to Raptor. It's him, then Luka Doncic, then Steph Curry. Yeah, well, there you go. All right, who
0: uh, who else is good? Who else has caught your attention?
1: Well, Portland's definitely caught my attention, they're, just yeah, because keep... they're five and one. They've beaten the Nuggets. I mean, we watched them kill the Nuggets in the second half of that game. We watched Anthony Simons catch fire. Um, they've beat the Suns, like we just talked about. They don't really have another good win outside of that. I'm not buying Portland yet. I'm de- I'm just definitely not buying them so far.
0: So as you might guess, they are five and one, four home games, two road games, and the road games came against the Lakers and the Kings, two teams that are, have one, two wins combined. So you're right, man. I'm telling you, this is the thing about early season. They beat the Nuggets in Portland. You know, they had, they got real hot. We just, you have to give this like five, six weeks before you could really tell who's had a good start. I'm with you. Portland has surprised me. But I'm not convinced that they are like, you know, oh, are we
1: sleeping on Portland? I'm not concerned. I'm not convinced just yet. Yeah, me neither. And then the other 5 and one team is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm. They have um, one good win. They beat Boston. Uh, They've also beat the Knicks, the Magic, the Wizards, and the Bulls. They lost to the Raptors. Again, I think they're kind of in that Portland category where – it might be a little too early to declare if they're good or not. Because they were
0: so good last year, I think it's a little bit easier. Donovan Mitchell is an MVP candidate. He's definitely in the conversation at this very moment, averaging 30-plus a game. Um, I'm more inclined to say that they've been a good team. Um, but they're the Eastern Conference, so we won't spend too much time on them. Is there any other teams specifically out West? I mean, we should talk about – here's one thing I'll say. The Utah Jazz, I think, are legitimately good. I think that they will fall off as the season goes on. But I think that they are proof of, you know, to win a championship, you need talent and identity that everybody buys into. To be good in the regular season, the ta- one of those parts can go the- one way. You can have a lot mm-hmm. of talent, not a good identity, but you're just too talented that, you know, you're going to win some games. Or you can have mediocre talent, but a really strong identity, and that'll work too. And I think the un- most underrated thing in the NBA is teams like Utah – who have an identity, they have an established pecking order. (laughs) Spoiler alert, Lowry Markkinen is the centerpiece, which is like, wow, who would have known he was up for that challenge, but he's looked great. But they know who they are, they get up a lot of shots, they appear to be very well coached, and they cut teams off guard. To me, that's a recipe for a very good, like surprisingly good regular season team.
1: Yeah, I think the coaching is the thing that's jumped out to me so far. Like, you can just tell, and we can tell because – Nuggets have played the Jazz twice now. They're a really well-coached team. They have a very direct goal every time they dribble the ball up the floor. Like They know exactly what they're doing every single possession of the game, and that's a direct reflection of coaching.
0: Let's stay in the West, and let's talk about the disappointing teams so far. Lakers are 1-5. They did just beat the Nuggets. I still think they're a team that looks like a play-in team at best and not a serious threat. We'll see if they make a move, but to me – That team, I don't think it's going to be like, oh, they turned it around and won 10 in a row. I just don't see that happening, especially given their schedule. It hasn't exactly been hard so far. And then the other one is the the Warriors are three and four. And I think a lot of people thought, oh, the Warriors are just going to run through the league. Still might happen. But they like the Wiseman has been one of the worst players in the NBA this year. I don't know if you've noticed. He's really bad, especially defensively. Everything falls Mm -hmm. apart when he's out there. I think that they're going to be a team that's probably going to have some ups and downs this season. And then, you know, Steph misses time or whatever. Last year, Draymond missed time, Steph missed time, and the team survived because they had so much, you know, culture and talent. This year, if you lost Draymond or you lost Steph for three weeks, I think that team would actually really struggle in those stretches.
1: Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. I mean, the Warriors, they're relying on a bunch of young guys this season. Last year, you know, they had Kaminga and Moody playing roles for parts of the season but they're definitely relying on them way more than they were last year and like young guys are volatile uh, for sure um yeah. so i feel like they could they could be up and down a little bit but i i'm betting on the warriors to catch fire for like one stretch shoot up to like top four in the west and stay there that, that's that's what i'm betting on
0: Let's take a break, and then on the other side, I want to talk about two teams that have been disappointing and a little confusing, and that is, of course, the Brooklyn Nets, who we mentioned earlier, just fired their coach. But the other and more important one is the L.A. Clippers, and there's, it's
1: important for a couple of reasons. I want to talk about them on the other side. Guys, the NBA is back. The wait is over. The season is going, so check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers right now can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins in addition everyone not just new users everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays you go to same game parlays make sure you opt into that stepped up promotion the more legs you add the bigger the profit boost you get if you add 10 legs to your stepped up same game parlay you're going to get a 100% profit boost so a great way to make some money there Make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code DNVR. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also, Athletic Greens. This is a product that I use literally every day. Athletic Greens has hooked this up with you know, some of their product because... We're partners with them. We talk about it a lot. And I can I can attest, I stand by Athletic Greens. It's a great way to get your day started. It just sets you off um, on a, a great day. You do it early in the morning. It's the first thing you do when you wake up. And Athletic Greens, like I said, can lead to a really awesome, just healthy, productive day. If you want better gut health, more energy, if you want an optimized immune system, check out Athletic Greens. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals whole foods or superfoods probiotics and adaptogens all of that is in one scoop of athletic greens um, so go to athleticgreens.com slash nuggets go to athleticgreens.com slash nuggets to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance speaking of
0: health and wellness how much candy did you eat yesterday wind i you don't have kids you're a little
1: bit over the like big halloween party scene i'm, I'm guessing you didn't yeah. go trick-or-treating I'm also in an apartment so no trick or treaters came by here. So. Yeah. We I'm telling you, my neighborhood rocks for Halloween. Unlike
0: the like I'm in the 99.9th percentile for Halloween like place to be for Halloween and I love it. Like so many kids coming by, you're walking out, it's like an entire party. Everybody's having a great time. Uh people get super creative with how they set up. I love it, man. Halloween to me, growing up, not that great of a holiday. Now yeah. as a as a dad it's like maybe the second best holiday.
1: So I, I need you to set the scene for us in, in your neighborhood what it was like. So every house is either out trick or treating because you got the kids, or people will
0: they set up a table, a little fire pit, and then something else. Like some people have a projector and they're playing like Nightmare Before Christmas or you know uh, something. That's next like level. That. I'm telling you, everybody's garage, they're on their driveways and they have coolers for beer. So as you walk up with your kids, they get a little candy bar, you get a Jello shot or a beer and like everybody in costume. And it's just like, it's honestly so many people, uh, probably each house gives away 1000 pieces of candy. That's how many people, how many kids come through. It's unbelievable. uh, And it's awesome, man. It's just, it's like 10
1: out of 10. I might be back in on Halloween if I lived in your neighborhood. Like that—that's that's that's next level. I feel like that should be on um, like the flyers when people are going to look at houses in your neighborhood. Everybody does decorations and elaborate. Just check out our Halloween spirit in this neighborhood. It's
0: true, man. There is something to it, and you should see. Like the average person has like twelve Halloween decorations in their yard. It's it's crazy how 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 all up my (laughs) neighborhood goes. Um, I ate a bunch of candy, so I have I'm, I'm on a candy diet at the moment. Um, let's talk about the Clippers here. Interesting season for them so far. Not uh, three and four down in the standings, minus seven point differential. Um, Kawhi Leonard's played two games. Yeah, he missed two years, like like Jamal. He's missed an enormous amount of time. Not quite as much as Jamal, but close. He comes back and he's only played two games. He's not going on this road trip that they're on right now. I look at this Harrison and I go, "Is it panic? No, I don't think that the Clippers are going to panic." But I look at this and I go, "That's not a good sign." If Jamal Murray had only played two games this year and there was no reason for it, they keep calling it rest.
1: Like what no, you they keep calling for? it, they keep calling it injury management. Injury but it's management. not. It's yeah. bullshit. It's not.
0: So to me, I look at that and I go, "I'm not saying something is, you know, oh my God, they're not going anywhere, this or that." But I look at that and I go. Are we convinced that they are, one, a good team? We just don't know. We haven't seen them healthy. And it doesn't appear that we're going to get to it. They just might get to the playoffs and try something and surprise everyone or not. But I look at that and I go, when a player has a major injury and they miss a lot of time, you always assume they'll come back. Jamal Murray, young enough, let's assume he comes back. I think that's a fair thing, like Zach Levine or you know other young players. A guy like Kawhi, who's already been through the league and has mileage on him, I'm just not convinced that he actually is coming back. And I do think there's a scenario now when we look at Brooklyn and we think like, all right, they're bringing in Ime. Maybe that solves everything. Ime to me is a great coach. He's one of the really good ones. So maybe he solves everything and they get rolling. I doubt it. Ime is also an incredible distraction. I don't think what you will morally about Brooklyn leaning into this or whatever. I don't even want to touch on that. But you're now going to have three – I would say the Brooklyn Nets are going to have the number one, number two, and number three biggest distractions in the NBA. Kyrie number one. Eme somehow Ben Simmons has fallen to three. Like yeah, he's, Toba, he's slipping. Number two, yeah. Ben Simmons has fallen all the way to number three in the distraction rankings on Brooklyn alone. And then Kevin Durant, not mm. even listed at the moment on the distraction list. So I look at that and I go. Is there a chance Kevin Durant gets traded? I mean, I think when you talk to people in the know around the league, a lot of them feel that KD has not rescind- really truly rescinded his trade request. He still wants to get the hell out of Brooklyn and is not happy there. So maybe he is just like holding on and you know what? Pl- put on his good face and he'll be traded. But didn't,
1: didn't Kevin Durant, wasn't his demand either fire Steve Nash or trade me? <laughs> I also so really they,
0: they didn't fire Steve Nash and then now they have fired him. It's almost like, I mean, look, I'm not or was saying. It, no, what
1: R- was it? Fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks. I think it was both of them as a package. It could
0: be both. It could be both. Yeah. Sean Marks, I think, is waiting to be fired too. He's probably like, please fire me. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to pull I the George trade. Costanza
1: routine as well.
0: <laughs> so anyway, I say all that to say that there is still, my belief is still that Kevin Durant is going to be made available at some point. Maybe he already is, but I think he's going to get traded. I don't think the Clippers would trade Paul George in the middle of the season. But I have long said, I think the number one best fit next to Jokic is Giannis. Number two, Paul George is just sneaky. I don't know where he is. Paul George has this thing where he is for because he's had a, a couple weird comments where he's sort of not taking responsibility. You know, Damian Lillard hit that shot in his face. And oh, that was a bad shot. And it got, you know, this or that. He gets diminished in just how great he is. He is an incredible three-point shooter, one of the best in all the NBA. He's not that far below, if at all, from Michael Porter as a three-point shooter. He is an elite three-point shooter at six foot nine. He is a great facilitator and 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 pick-and-roll partner, pick-and-roll player. And then he is a great defensive player. Paul George is incredible, and I look at that one over there and I go, is Paul George good enough that you build the whole roster around him towing a Kawhi who's just never going to be there? Probably not. Very few players are good enough to tow a max contract that doesn't bring anything. I just watched Kawhi only play two games after having 500 days off. And I go, I'm not convinced he's healthy and going to be back. And the Clippers are 100% in mortgage future to be able to go in right now. And I go, the only way to get out of that, like we saw with the Denver Broncos today, by the way, who went all in on this season, it didn't work out. And they said, you know what? Bradley Chubb, get out of here for a first round pick. I look at that and I go, there's a scenario where Paul George is made available at some point, if not this season, because I don't think it'll happen this season. But it could be this summer where they just get through this year. It doesn't go the way you think. Kawhi Leonard's not ever coming back, and they have to accept that. And they go, all right, what can we get for Paul George? And I look at that, and I go, he is, outside of Giannis, in the same tier. Maybe Kevin Durant's a slightly better fit or LeBron or this, whatever. But he's in the same tier to me as everybody besides Giannis in terms of he checks every box you need to place next to Jokic. Yeah.
1: Well, he does. He does. I mean, he absolutely does. He's a great shooter. He, you know, plays that position on the wing um, that would fit great next to Denver's, you know, Cora, Nicole Jokic, and Jamal Murray. He's a good defender as well. He, he can, you know, lock down defensively in the playoffs. Um, He's a great def- He would be.
0: I think he would be the most impactful defender on Denver's roster, and they have some very good ones, but I think he would be number one.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I can't, I can't fault you there. Uh, Paul George, we've always talked about this. He'd be an incredible fit next to Nicole Jokic. Um, I could see him becoming available. You know, every season, there's a couple guys, a couple guys on the Paul George level who you would never think in a million years, like heading into the season would be traded and, they're available, you know, stuff happens during the season, during the first 10 games of the year that makes them available. So yeah, I'm with you. I I would not be surprised. He'd be an incredible fit on Denver, you know, just from a basketball standpoint, it is Giannis for me. And then yeah, Paul George might be that guy. I mean, like Steph Curry, of course, but um, just from a basketball perspective, Paul George would be a seamless fit with the Nuggets yeah so i I
0: mean again, I just want to make those points because coming into the year, you knew those things were possible, but Boston has somehow gotten more combustible and the clippers I just am watching that situation and I go they're three and four they they are all in one way out they have one guy that's at this very moment, the most tradeworthy piece is Paul George. You can fully reset everything you're doing and succeed if you traded Paul George now, and that's probably not true past this year because he is what thirty one like he is sort of at the moment where it's like, hey, on a on a good deal, on a good co- you know contract that has years to it, maybe they would do it. So just something also to kind of keep in mind. What's that? Well, he <laughs> he, is, he is
1: always hurt. Yeah,
0: it could be. Those are my notes though from around the league. The last note I will say: Milwaukee is the one team I want to see them get out on the road. I don't think there's an elite team this year. I don't at this very moment. I don't think there's a juggernaut. I think there's very good teams, a lot of them. The Phoenix Suns to me and the Milwaukee Bucks look the closest to juggernauts, but I don't watch either of them go. Man, it's going to be hard to beat them. I just look at them and say, "Hey, that's a regular, very good team, regular contender," and 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 I feel pretty good about that. Just uh, league wide, where where, where the league's at, Denver has a chance if they can get to. Nobody's looking at Denver and worried either, though. So take that for what it is.
1: Right, and I mean, I expect the West to normalize eventually. You look at the West standings right now: Utah at three, San Antonio at four. Um, Oklahoma city's three and three. Hey, do you remember when we were talking about how we both liked the thunder roster heading into the season? They've looked, they've looked okay so far. Um, golden state three and four under 500 out of the playoff picture right now. The Clippers are probably the biggest question mark just because it really looks like Kawhi Leonard. He's about to miss his six straight game. He's had a history of really bad injuries in the past. He could be just really on a sharp decline here. Everybody other than the Clippers, I expect to normalize here. You know, in the next month or so, I think the Warriors will get back into you know the playoff picture, back into the top eight. I think the Spurs will drop. Of course, Utah, I think will drop as well, but you know, probably into that playing range seven eight somewhere in there. Um, So I I think the standings will will normalize pretty soon here. There is one thing I want to talk about before we get out of here, and and that is. It's a, it's a
0: shocker to me. Bull bowl having himself mm. a year right now for the Orlando Magic. Um, let's just go through the numbers. He's played in all seven games. They are one and six, so they're not a very good team, but he's played in all of them. He's playing about 20 minutes per game. He's scoring 11 points on 65% shooting just 25% from the three-point line. He hasn't taken a ton of them, but he hasn't been hitting his three. But 65% inside the three-point line to go along with seven rebounds and two and a half block shots, again, in 20 minutes. And then here's the craziest part, Harrison. He has the highest plus-minus.
1: That's a plus-12. Yeah,
0: he has a plus-12. It doesn't matter. Plus-12 in a one on a one-and-six team is yeah. still something, especially when you're playing every single game and you're playing 20 minutes. That tells me something. I look at this and I go, look, I haven't watched them. So I can't say that I'm like watching and I see like these massive improvements or this or that. But I am watching it and I go, Bull Bull is a guy that I thought had a 0.1% chance for reasons that we were all heard about his time here in Denver. Him getting an opportunity there and it's a different opportunity from Denver, but it does stick out to me. And I am curious. I'm like, the light's on for me going, I want to keep an eye on Bull Bull this year. I'm very intrigued.
1: I'm intrigued as well. He has the best plus minus on the team, like you said. He also has the third most blocks in the NBA right now. It's Brooke Lopez, Zubots, and Bobol. Like Those yeah. are the three guys with the most blocks in the NBA right now. Bulbul has 17 blocks on the season.
0: Really? So he's like that overall? He's at the top of the yeah, board? Yeah, overall. Wow.
1: He has the third most blocks in the NBA. That's crazy. Look, man, like – I never had a doubt that Bull could do this on the magic, you know, like the plus minus is the thing you look at and you're like, is he actually playing winning basketball? I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I still question if he can do this, like for a winning team, like that, that's the one thing with Bull that that's always been in the back of your head. Yeah. He can put up these numbers and he can look great doing it. Um, but can he do this like on a playoff team? But here's, um, here's where, but here I'm with you on that. But here's the thing, Harrison.
0: That's not necessarily the only question that you should ask. Oftentimes, players just get you to the point you need to get to. And I look at they traded him for nothing because he was worth nothing. You got a player in Zeke Nagy right now that if you traded, you would be trading on all, virtually nothing. He's not on the team. They traded Yusef Nurkic, and I know again, I'm not trying to say that all oh, these guys deserve to be coddled. There's Things you give away when a Nurkic or a Bull quit on a team or, or what have you. There's things if you accommodate them, you lose the rest of the veteran locker room and they're like, really? You're just going to let this guy get away with this stuff? So I, I'm not trying to say I know the answer to this because I think there's too many moving parts. But I do look at this and say there have been a lot of players who weren't maybe they're not stars, but had some kind of value that unfortunately were giving it away. Now, is that because Denver had too many talented players? In the case of Vanderbilt, Jared Vanderbilt, Maybe. Like, maybe that's why he didn't play. But I just know Beasley is playing (laughs) three minutes. Vanderbilt's playing heavy minutes. Nurkic is playing heavy minutes. Bol Bol's playing heavy minutes. I just look around and I go, all of those guys were traded, basically, for depressed, like, negative value.
1: Right. I mean, look, the thing is, though, we know the Nuggets tried to trade Bol Bol. They tried to put him in the package for Aaron Gordon. The Orlando Magic didn't want him. In that trade package, but they wanted point. RJ Hampton instead. But that's like, my no, point, nobody though. wanted Bobo. But that's but that's my point. Like
0: are, are Zeke Naji is not in the rotation right now on a team that has is, is a horrible, atrocious bench. You know, most nights. Like, are we sure that if Zeke Naji got traded right now, do you feel like there's a chance that for some team would would get him and be like, oh wow, this guy's like got something to him?
1: No, I, I think some team would absolutely. Yeah.
0: It's just a trend. Again, I'm not trying to be incendiary. I don't know. Like I'm just presenting these things as, hey, it's worth noting because Bull Bull of all the players, I was most convinced was like, that guy will be out the league in two, three years. Just, But somehow, and look, a lot of teams, especially teams like the Orlando Magic, they end up allowing players a wide variety of sins and it keeps a culture that they keep losing. Like, you know, It's not like the Orlando Magic. Oh, everybody should be copying them. Historically, they know exactly like who to reward and who not to. But I am just saying, Bol for all of the faults that he had in Denver, I'm sure many, if not all of them, are still there. And yet, he's getting an opportunity. Different circumstance, all these different things. I'm not trying to be unfair, but it's noteworthy. And the Zeke Nagy situation specifically, I have my eye on because I'm like, <laughs> we're seven, only seven games into the season, but we haven't seen him. We just literally saw him for five minutes in one game, and that was it the rest of the time has been garbage time. So yeah. curious. And hopefully we get an extended look at him sometime in the near future. And just something to keep in mind is, as before you write a guy off, but say, Hey, let's see if they're able to sort of absorb him into the culture. That does it for me today. You got anything else, Harrison? I'm good. That's all I got. Um, that does it for us. We will be back again tomorrow. The nuggets have practice. We'll hopefully be joined back in studio. Maybe D line will join us. Maybe uh vote will join us. Um, and we'll be back for the last off off day before the Nuggets get on this long road trip playing every other day for 30 days wow we'll see everybody then